Hi there, this is Trista for Governator, and today we're going to be listening slash watching Rewriting American History with Carl Lehrberger. In this interview with Regina Meredith, Carl Lehrberger guides us on a journey, journey through the forbidden history of America by detailing evidence of a European presence long before Columbus. Stretching across the southwest and onto the west coast, we will find a plethora of hidden ancient sites bearing controversial artifacts. What is so controversial about them, and why does mainstream science shun these findings? Careful analyses of these artifacts may definitively prove that several European cultures coexisted with Native American peoples thousands of years ago. Carl Lehrberger, author of Secrets of Ancient America, is the founder, director, and chief operations officer of Pure Vision Technology Incorporated. He graduated from the University of Colorado with a Bachelor of Arts degree in 1974 and has been a leader in the field of environmental technologies. He has also studied archaeological and sacred sites in North America with a focus on ancient old world peoples in America before Columbus for more than 25 years. Sounds good to me. Let's check it out. Open Minds with Regina Meredith. Get your subscription to Gaia now. It's on 12 bucks a month. Best programming in the universe. Oh, we need some, uh, we need some Bluetooth man. We need some Bluetooth man. Yeah, Bluetooth man. Bluetooth man. Scholars, however, the Samaritan scholars, uh, for the most part, Well, what do you know? Power on. Bluetooth. There you go. What do you know? There you go. Las ideas y no reflejan necesariamente. Amen. conversation with Carl Lehrberger, we looked at evidence throughout Colorado and the West that pegged our ancient American history to the presence of cultures from the Celts to the Sumerians. Today, we're going to discuss that, plus the Hebrew, East Indian, Mesoamerican influences in our American ancient past. This is a whole new history. I loved our last conversation. It was packed. I think people probably had to stop it, go back, look at the images, go to the internet. This is a full course of study it talking is. with you and now where we're going to pick it up i just want to make a quick comment the work of ralph ellis who i have interviewed who also does some revisionist history he speaks quite a bit about scotia the queen uh, the celtic queen with her roots from egypt and so I, I he was in his work he has created this evidence 
base for the notion that the Celts were also connected with the Egyptians. And I only bring it up because of where we're going next, which is a Celtic cave featuring Anubis, right? In the Oklahoma panhandle. Wow. Yes, and as a background, it's, 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 a, it's a great point to note that uh, we, we might think of the Celts coming over or the Phoenicians coming over or the Egyptians coming over, but, but what's, what's, what's likely that happened is we had multicultural crews that spoke many different languages and had many different religions. So the, the Anubis cave, which is, which is located in the Oklahoma panhandle not so far from Crack Cave that we were discussing, is, is an instance where we find not only Celtic writing, but Egyptian uh, imagery. Uh, yes. To, compl- to, to, to complement exactly what you're saying. What Anubis is, so, and this happens at a certain time of day. So the, the Anubis caves are a, uh, six caves uh, in sandstone uh, found in the Oklahoma Panhandle. Uh, diffusionist uh, uh, scholar uh, Gloria Farley was led there by a, um, a local rancher, and she noted that there was a dog-like... Uh, petroglyph that had a uh, uh, kind of a, a stick or a scepter coming out of its back, very akin to exactly the imagery of the Egyptian god Anubis, the, the, the Lord of Night, of god. Uh, the, the god of death. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Anubis case represents perhaps the most uh, uh, definitive evidence that the Celts were here and uh, a uh, really reveals uh, insights into old world religion that you don't even find in the old world because they were they were destroyed by the by the Christians and we have some of the the old world Mithraic traditions which was a Persian sun god that became uh, later uh, a, a part of the Roman belief system of uh, Mithras, the, the, the slayer of the bull, well, we find the, uh, the mythology and the cosmology of uh, Mithras and, and the religion in Oklahoma. It's, it's, it's quite Inter- phenomenal. And this is, now this particular image in this cave is, as I recall in your book, is said to be illuminated around sunset each unlike, day. Unlike the Crack Cave, which is a uh, sun, equinox sunrise uh, alignment, uh, the the many different alignments in Anubis Cave occur at sunset, and uh, it's not just one alignment, but multiple alignments. But the most famous alignment, which was named by uh, William Glone and and Phil Leonard, uh, who who did the most thorough research on this, uh, as the Silent Opera, because. W- Many of the uh, of, of the most amazing alignments are not just a um, a sun or a shadow striking a circle, but you actually see the shadows moving and telling a story, almost I like love a that imagery s- in silent the picture. Yes, the silent and, opera, and it creates an image of its own depending on the time of day. It's a whole different image. Well, what we're seeing is it's a it's an art form. It's the language of the ancients. And tell us the name of that again. The, the word that is used for uh, that. Well, they, these are called Heliolithic animations, Heliolithic. but in, 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 it was named at Anubis Cave, the silent opera. But these Heliolithic animations and the archaeoastronomy that we see encoded in these rocks are the, the language of the ancients. And you can 
readily see why archaeologists have missed this for for so many decades, mm-hmm. looking down and digging, not really taking into account the position of the sun on special days or uh, how the structure was uh, built, oriented towards a, a, a particular direction. And this is what we as archaeoastronomers look for because it's an important part of the story, an important part of the language. Now, at Anubis Cave, the, the most remarkable animation, the silent opera, has two main petroglyphic characters. One is the sun god, who uh, Maglone and Leonard have identified as Mithras, the, the Persian and later-day Roman sun god. And the second character is Anubis, mm-hmm. this Egyptian god of the dead. And what we find as the sun sets on the equinox, uh, as the sun god goes into shadow, we see the the dog or Jekyll-like god Anubis illuminated in light above him. You know, representing that that uh, with the illumination and light, Anubis now carries on as the Lord of the Night, while Anubis, the Sun God, goes into shadow. It's and, fascinating. I mean, it, and and it would take such patient observation. And it's not just uh, we're talking about a uh, uh, a day or a, a, a holiday, but we're talking about a cosmology of an ancient people. Mm-hmm. And when you realize that the ancient uh, Mithraeums in Europe, uh, uh, most of them have been destroyed and few, if any, have the type of symbology that, that is encoded at Anubis Caves, it's, it's a remarkable uh, 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 discovery that we're actually finding out about an old world religion in the new world because the evidence has been destroyed. Some of the other fascinating aspects of the Anubis cave is it's not just the sun god masculine deity, but we also see uh, feminine deities. Uh, For example, the Sheila Nagig, a a popular uh, feminine uh, deity of fertility goddess is uh, represented in in Anubis caves, as well as uh, many petroglyphs representing uh, the the, uh, sky uh, positions and the constellations. So it's in addition to the the many archaeoastronomy alignments that are uh, set for the equinox sunset, we have multiple uh, petroglyphs representing old world deities. And most importantly, we find extensive Ogham script that defines and describes these alignments. Um, one, one, one script uh, talks about uh, equinox being equal day and equal night. And this is a uh, Ogham language that is read in, in, in Celtic. So it's, it's really telling us what's going on, how, how to prepare for these celebrations, and it's clear evidence that the Celts were here, left their mark in stone, describing the most important parts of their cosmology, and still encoded for us to see and learn. Regrettably, even though 60 Minutes uh, uh, and other uh, 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 media outlets have done stories on it, and, and Bill McGlone and, and uh, uh, Phil Leonard have done extensive research uh, published in journals and their book, Ancient American in- Inscriptions. The Anubis Cave is not given any 
any credibility by by the archaeological community. And it's shocking to, to think that while every summer we have scores, if not hundreds, of archaeologists and graduate students scouring the Amer American Four Corners area, looking at Anasazi ruins, and kind of going over a lot of what's already been discovered, you rarely find any archaeologist at these handful of Celtic sites. Uh, what a shame. What it's, a loss. It's, it's, it's a tragedy, and as a result, we still have this overarching paradigm that Columbus discovered America, and how could the Celts have possibly got into the Americas. No, as I remember, it's approximately that site. They're dating back a couple thousand years anyway, yes. right? The dating of these sites is 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 is, is very difficult. Yes. And uh, but from both uh, uh, experimental uh, studies of the patina or dating of the uh, of the petroglyphs themselves, and from looking at the uh, the cosmology and the star patterns represented in these caves, uh, we surmise that uh, the the Anubis cave is is, is approximately 2,000 years old. Okay, and going on with the Egyptian theme, what about the Sun Temple? If I don't know if that is Egyptian, but they did have them. The Sun Temple in Colorado. Well, you're you're, you're hitting the great the great sites in the Ogham Corridor, with uh, beginning with with, with with Crack Cave and Picture Canyon, nearby uh, uh, Anubis Cave in, in the Oklahoma Panhandle, uh, both being equinox sites. The Sun Temple in, in southeastern Colorado is a cross-quarter day site. Oh, okay. And uh, it is a uh, uh, imagery Celtic related site, yeah. to the the cross-quarter day known by the Celts as Lunasa, or the or the the, the celebration of the sun god Lu. Uh, Lu, uh, you know, was was one of the most popular of, of, of the Celtic gods, and 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 when the, you know the Romans, you know, uh, captured and 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 it took over the Celts, there was there was a a statue to to Lou in almost every uh, cross a corner of, of, the, of the highway systems of, 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 of the Celts. Now, these, of course, all disappeared and been destroyed. And what did Lou represent? Lou is, a, Lou is a sun god. He's known as Lou of the Long Arm. And uh, the, the, the celebration of Lunasa is a harvest festival and also uh, a time of, of doing the sports. So what we what we find in, in the Sun Temple is a very unique alignment as well as imagery. And the alignment is the sun uh, rising uh, on the cross quarter day and fitting in a notch on the horizon uh, created by a, uh, a mountain and the horizon. And it's just on that cross quarter day that the sun as it rises fits right in the notch if you have your head positioned in a pecked circle they would peck the circles probably with metal tools and they would have a, a uh, just chip out little dots chip out little dots mm -hmm. in the rock mm -hmm. and there's an ogun inscription that tells the reader um, using you know shoulder and circle to look toward the horizon you know between the hill how genius to make sure you're aligned perfectly so the book pictures a a uh, a young boy uh, who I believe was was one of the rancher's uh, kids mm -hmm. putting his head in the uh, the circle and looking toward the horizon and then we see the sun coming up and this is this uh, alignment has been document 
documented by Keen Scott Monahan, uh, who, whose uh, site archaeoastronomy.com has actual videos of this alignment as well as some of the imagery of Crack Cave. So, in addition to the alignment, we find again uh, Ogham inscriptions or talking about the Harvest Festival, talking about a, a, a time for summer sports. Again, Ogham that can be read in, in a uh, Celtic language. So, in these three sites, uh, to a uh, sunrise uh, e equinox alignment at Crack Cave, the equinox alignments uh, at Anubis Cave, and then the cross-quarter day alignment of Lunasa at Sun Temple, we have some of the greatest examples of, uh, of, of, of uh, proof that the Celts were here and made it to the interior, uh, leaving not only their language and their, and their imagery, but their cosmology for this uh, uh, generation and future generations to learn from if we preserve it. And if we acknowledge it, <laughs> if we preserve it, and I mean, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, wow, this brings up an entirely new industry. I mean, parents throwing their kids in the four-wheel drive and starting to search these amazing sites. Now, are most of them accessible? If no, someone's in they, they really aren't. Oh, and see, now that's a bummer. I was thinking yes. that. Now, now I, 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 part of it is that, that we all walk a very thin line uh, because we have to preserve the heritage. Yes. We have to preserve the sites. So yeah. many of the sites, certainly the ones that were on public, uh, that weren't on public lands, I, I did my best not to reveal where they, they are. In fact, I received a lot of criticism from uh, archaeologists for even mentioning some of these sites. And, and although I don't uh, mention their name or their location, they are very critical of me for bringing them up because they don't want to anyone there to destroy well, I praise them or to, to you for doing this yes well it's, so it's an we, important part of our history and we hope that uh, uh, that the that the thrust of this work and all the work by diffusionists really is aimed at preservation preserving this for future generations because you know as, as extensive as the research that uh, Bill McGlone and Phil Leonard did at, at Anubis Caves. There's more discoveries there, and it, until you know we get uh, epigraphers, uh, uh, archaeologists, uh, anthropologists, archaeoastronomers, you know, to acknowledge the importance of these sites and continue the research of these pioneers, um, uh, we're, as you say, going to continue to be uh, in the dark about our own history Absolutely. and understanding, you know, who was the first explorers and what were they were doing here. Well, right now, we've just been talking about the Celts, and we're about to end our Ogham Trail journey, so to speak. And now, when we get over to the west, to California and Nevada, it says here that that is the largest repository of ancient petroglyphs in the world is happening between California and Nevada. Now, let's talk about that, and some of the cultures we'll see represented there. Well, we're talking about the uh, the Great Basin, and you know one thing that uh, moderns have a hard time grasping is uh, not only the capabilities of the ancients, because you know they're savages, but uh, the, the lay of the land. And and thousands of years ago, when when the, this history was unfolding, the the American West looked very different than it does now. Now we, we have a lot of desert, like Nevada is just almost all desert. But but in uh, going back 2,000 years ago and 3,000 years ago, a good part, if not most, Nevada was lakes. Uh, 
and the oceans uh, really uh, were were much more accessible uh, uh, and much closer to to uh, uh, Las Vegas, for example. So it, it was a much more uh, uh, greener environment. And, there are and, petrified and forests. It, well, there there are. I mean, the green. Well, the uh, there were there were lakes, there were forests, yes. there was an abundance yes. of game, and uh, uh, and accompanying that, there was an ab abundance of different cultures that lived in the Great Nation. Because you know, unlike today, it, it those those were great times. That was there was a lot of uh, 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 game, and and it was very uh, uh, great place for habitation. So you have, you know, many, many different thousands of, of different uh, sites in the Great Basin that were occupied and, and these ancient cultures uh, left their petroglyphs. This would be a, a, an important time to make the point that while there are uh, thousands of petroglyph sites and perhaps hundreds of thousands or millions of petroglyphs, Nearly all of these, we believe, were done by the ancestors to the Native Americans. Mm -hmm. It's very rare to come across instances like we've described with Crack Cave, Anubis Cave, and the Sun right. Temple, where we have a very clear uh, connection to the old world through the writing or the epigraphy or through the... Um, the symbols represented in the stone. So, so let's be clear from the outset that most of the the Great Basin uh, uh, petroglyphs uh, are are Our from Native the Native American. However, encoded about Mojave North. Yes, encoded in these encoded in these petroglyphs, though, are are some ancient traditions that 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 some. Uh, probably did come from uh, trans-Pacific cultures. And I've previously noted uh, an example of the swastika as a symbol that, that is, has come down to some of the Native American tribes. Well, this is an ancient, ancient symbol from India. So, you know, through diffusion, we, we find some, some of the uh, symbols through diffusion. We find actual uh, uh, words from um, Afghanistan and Indo-Turkey mm -hmm. and some of the Native American tribes. But the clearest example of uh, a trans-Pacific uh, uh, culture that, that left their mark in stone uh, that, that, that I've come across and documented the book is at a site on the eastern Sierras in, in, in central California that I call Mojave North. And I named it that uh, because it's part of the uh, uh, Mojave Desert, right. but that I sought to disguise its location because the site is so vulnerable to damage. It's uh, just about every petroglyph has, has some damage. 30% of the petroglyphs have been destroyed. Um, and it, it is in dire need of protection. And this particular site has been uh, cited as a typical great basin petroglyph site. That is by the archaeologist uh, who claimed it along with the Native Americans, that Mojave North petroglyphs were created by the ancestors to the Native Americans. However, what, what uh, a colleague, uh, Dorian Today, and myself have discovered is that this is uh, probably the clearest evidence of a uh, greater Indus Valley presence in uh, the uh, North America. And we can, we can surmise that they, they came 
uh, to, to the California coast and then hiked inland as part of a mining expedition because, of course, the gold oh, yes, and a very course. rich silver mine Which nearby. Which was very so it, necessary to their culture. It certainly, these were big expeditions. Right. And uh, they, they perhaps, uh, the earlier ones were even accompanied by uh, elephants that they, they bought along with Yeah, we're going to get them. into that in a minute. And, uh, but uh, Mojave North uh, is a remarkable site. Uh, we've documented at least 13 different alignments that occur uh, on the equinoxes, on the solstices, on the cross-quarter days. And we've even uh, documented some very sophisticated lunar alignments that uh, were likely used to predict uh, the uh, uh, different uh, 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 calendars uh, of the uh, in the chakra cycle and the sero cycle, which were important to the Indus Valley people, mm-hmm. and and and, and so th- this is all is found in a very compact, less than one acre site. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of damage to the site, and uh, it's it's most of the petroglyphs are, are are not able to even be read through, throughout most of the, most of the day because they are so worn or damaged. However. The, the remarkable aspects of this site include uh, a, a cross-quarter day alignment that we, we, we find a character very akin to Lou uh, or perhaps Hercules that is part of a animation that documents both uh, the fertility of the god uh, uh, on the feminine cross-quarter days, that is uh, Sanheim, which has now uh, come down to us as uh, Halloween, or Imbolc, uh, I should say, and Imbolc, which is the, the celebration of uh, the Celtic uh, goddess Bridget. But the same uh, image, uh, this godlike uh, character that, that resembles Lou, uh, also has a alignment on the masculine cross-quarter days, which is Beltane and Lunasa. So the same uh, godlike character has two different alignments on it, one representing the the fertility for the cross-quarter days of the feminine, and uh, the other alignment representing the the spiritual evolution of the the deity on uh, the cross-quarter, the masculine cross-quarter days. So this is among some of the, the amazing uh, uh, rock art and petroglyphs that, that were left at this site. Another, I think, noteworthy uh, alignment of Mojave North is a, uh, a series of concentric circles on, on a rock. And on the equinox, as the sun comes up, we have a light dagger or a yes. uh, an image of a serpent uh, in light that uh, yeah, is I created. Yeah, like these images, in, yes. Uh, by kind of light and shadow, and through the the the, uh, the first hour as the sun comes up, this 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 light serpent, if you will, moves across the the, the rock art panel, and uh, uh, as its open uh, jaws approach the concentric circles, it literally encompasses the inner circle on the day of the equinox, kind of representing a serpent engulfing an egg or a disc. Now. Why this is so important is because we have the exact same imagery uh, at the Great Serpent Mound, the largest earthwork in North America, where we have over a thousand foot long serpent, three feet high, 20 feet wide. uh, and, And what is in the mouth of this giant earthwork serpent? A disc. And it's located where? Uh, In Ohio. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, interesting. And you know, at a different time, but we have a petroglyphic yes. image in California, and then at, at, at the Serpent Mound, we we, we have a, a monumental image of, of 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 the same serpent with a uh, disc in its yes. mouth. So again, here we can begin to see how the, perhaps diffusion of these stories and myths uh, uh, go throughout the Americas, and. You know, this brings up uh, another very important point about diffusionism, and it it is encompassing the term called hermetic drift. And the concept of hermetic drift is that that originally some of these symbols, uh, for example, the swastika, uh, arrived in the the Americas from from Egypt. But as time goes on and the, the, the old world peoples are no longer here, the, the ancestors to the Native Americans continue using these symbols. And, and even though the symbols may stay the same, the concept behind them begins to drift. And some mm-hmm. of the ancient meanings, you know, may have, have, have been altered. Well, and we, I think a lot of our viewers are already aware of the loot, essentially, that was found, the Egyptian artifacts that were found in the Grand Canyon at the turn of the last century. So we have a little understanding that something was, this was a not very accessible cave either, where these artifacts were found. So somehow these things were spirited away long ago, and then they've since been spirited away by some of our esteemed institutions and are denied their existence at all. Well, that's part of the great cover-up. Yeah, the great cover-up. So we know Egyptian stuff was here. Now, let's going again to the Indus Valley... What about the Shiva stone? You have a lot of wonder at full moon rising. You have a lot of wonderful imagery of this. Let's talk about that. And that's Mojave North too. No, it's the same. It's Mojave the same North. site. This okay. is a very compact site. Okay. And uh, uh, we, we we must begin the story by by talking about what a, a Shiva linga is. Yes. And this is a usually a a, a represent a, a a representative of the of the male. Of uh, power mm-hmm. uh, in, 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 in the form of a phallus. Mm-hmm. But most Shiva lingas also integrate the power of the feminine uh, in the form of a basin. Mm-hmm. So throughout in India, there are oh, there when you tens go to, of yes. thousands of Shiva lingas everywhere. And in the afternoon, they do the rites and the milk pouring in, and it's, it's quite a ceremony. Well, in the, in, in the center of Mojave North uh, is a, uh, a, a stone a complex that is very akin to. To a, uh, a giant uh, Shiva Linga. Mm-hmm. It has a, a very worn basin in it, and uh, it, it is in a prominent place. It, it actually it has a rock in front of it that, that, that you know could actually be visualized as being testicles. Mm-hmm. It is so obvious that nobody's ever you know really seen it until mm-hmm. uh, Dorian today. Uh, uh, several several uh, about uh, five or six years ago, you know, noted it, and and I, I concur that at the, uh, there's a central Shiva Linga. At this site surrounded by uh, numerous different petroglyphic uh, panels that uh, some of them uh, deal with uh, uh, the, these alignments, but others seem to be maps or perhaps alchemical formulas. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a huge... Is there any script accompanying this? There, there are scripts, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, they're very uh, controversial. Uh, Barry Fell waded in uh, on uh, this particular site, uh, claiming that one of the scripts was uh, Arabic Kufi. 
Yes. Uh, I've uh, kind of researched that and described in the book, and I, I believe this is where one of the mistakes Barry made. Mm -hmm. First of all, he, he, he didn't visit the site, and he was relying on uh, drawings and, and photographs from other researchers, and uh, uh, he, he was taking different photographs and putting them into a composite. Uh, so I seriously doubt that uh, uh, w w the, the, the main in, uh, epigraphy at the site is Kufic. Uh, Dorian today, a, a co-collaborator, uh, he has researched it and claims that it's ancient Samaritan. That is the, the uh, mm -hmm. Samaritan of the uh, northern kingdom of, the, of, 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 of the Jews. Mm -hmm. uh, however, this has been disputed by Samaritan scholars. However, the Samaritan scholars, uh, for the most part, are not familiar with this proto-Hebrew non-block lettering. So uh, I still think there's a, 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 a very good indication that, in fact, this is ancient Samaritan. But this really... Uh, encourages us to uh, note that without professional archaeologists, without professional epigraphers and, and, and anthropologists who are willing to come, willing to look at, willing to research, willing to say what it is and what it isn't, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to be able to conclusively say what it is. So part of the, the new history of America is, is, is calling for a fair-minded evaluation of these sites that seem to show the old world peoples from both the Atlantic yes. and the Pacific were here. And until we can get the professionals to take the blinders off and to have a fair-minded uh, uh, investigation, they're, they're going to continue to dispute the old world origins of, of these sites. Well, they're going to have problems with things like depictions of elephants. Okay, so let's go back to that image for a moment. So we, we touched on it for just a moment. Um, how do you suppose elephants landed in America? Well, that's quite a journey. With a heavy thud. The motif of an elephant in America is, is not unique to this particular no, discussion. Not. And uh, Gunnar Thompson and, and, and many others have, have noted the elephant motif in, in Central America and in, and in Mayan sculptures. But at a site known as Grimes Point, Nevada, which is certainly one of the older petroglyphic sites in North America going back, oh, at least five or six or 7,000 years ago. Uh, uh, we find uh, a very worn imageries, and one of these image, uh, images is an elephant with a rider. Yes. Now the elephant is not depicted with a tusk, so we can we can uh, surmise that that it's a uh, Indian elephant, not a uh, elephant from uh, uh, Africa. But it, it begs the question: What were elephants doing here, and who drew the petroglyphs? Right. So. Our theory is that that these these ancient miners from in this valley or Indo-Turkey, uh, what is now Afghanistan and Turkey, they uh, arrived on, on the California coast uh, as part of uh, mining expeditions, and they needed. Uh, uh, elephants uh, as as part of their uh, entourage to, to, to do the heavy lifting. This goes back to the the story of the of the the, the Columbus ships and how relatively small and primitive say, this, this they were. This required a veritable ark. <laughs> That's correct. They, these ancient 
these ancient ships. They were not little dinky ships that held no. 30 or 40 people. No, they, they, they have hundreds of, of people. And these, these ships, uh, you know, from, from, from the East were noted by as recently by Marco Polo as being able to carry hundreds of people. But certainly these mining expedition ships that use the, the ocean currents to arrive in America, probably timed uh, uh, with lunar cycles and with uh, uh, the, the equinoxes and, uh, uh, and, this, and uh, uh, solstices for their journey, um, incorporated giant expeditions and giant ships and probably included some alpets in those expeditions. And these, the structures in the Indus Valley date back, I think reasonably, what, about 10,000 years? They go way back. Now, how far back do you think their travels may have dated in terms of some of what we're seeing here you said maybe several thousand years well uh, and i know it's tricky dating is tricky dating these these objects is is probably the most controversial area of uh, the diffusionist research and again but this is, is a call several several thousand oh, many. years oh there's the, uh, i think that that the 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 imagery that we see in mojave north and and and, and uh, uh, is is at least a thousand if not two thousand years before the imagery we see at crack cave and anubis caves which would put it back at least three or four thousand years so uh, until we we really have more scientific dating methods and until we really bring in professionals to to debate discover and investigate we're really not going to be able to pin it down but but clearly these are these are many uh three four thousand years before columbus okay now listen we're going to the red canyon and the standing man petroglyph now which is very similar to the pathfinder glyphs uh, that are in Colorado. So tell us about what we're seeing here. Well, the, the, this, this particular petroglyph comes from uh, a little petroglyph uh, canyon in um, uh, California, mm-hmm. in Great Basin of California. And it is not necessarily, we, 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 we don't want to say it's necessarily from the old world. It's, it's, it's quite likely and probable that most of the glyphs and the extensive uh, petroglyphs and little petroglyph canyon are uh, all from the ancestors to, to the Native Americans. But what we do see is in some of the imagery is, is uh, similarities to uh, symbols that we do find in, in the old world and perhaps uh, uh, some of the cosmologies that we find in the old world. And one of these is a, a petroglyph of a very large anthropomorphic man, a stick-like character that I would describe as very similar to uh, Da Vinci's, you know, uh, divine man. Mm-hmm. He's standing with his arms stretched out. And I was uh, fortunate enough to be there at noon on an equinox uh, looking at this and noticed that the outstretched arms were, were holding a triangle of light that came to the point of the anthropomorphic head. So literally on the equinox, it, what, it's, what the symbology is telling us is that uh, the perfect balance of holding that triangle, that, that symbol of the divine, kind of the outstretched arms like mm-hmm. this. And it was so precise that the fingers themselves were, were, were counting marks so that you could actually, again, um, you know, like many of these ancient count calendars, the count the days. Yes. Now, when I was there and, and looking at this, I only noticed this particular petroglyph, uh, which was the 
masculine deity. But when I when I got back home and I looked at my film and photographs, I was able to see behind it a feminine glyph that was uh, a very descriptive of, of, of fertility and of uh, uh, almost in, insemination, very similar to what we see at the sun uh, at the Pathfinder site with a dagger of light mm -hmm. kind of inseminating uh, uh, first mother. Yes. And we, we see something, that same kind of imagery. And this <clears throat> reinforces the notion that, that the of the divine feminine as well as the divine masculine that, that was included and integrated into whether it be the, the ancient uh, Native Americans or uh, the, the ancients who came uh, from across the Pacific and Atlantic. Well, certainly one of the more revered glyphs, definitely in the southwestern part of the United States, you can find them everywhere in Sedona, is Cocopelli. Let's talk about the story of Cocopelli. Well, as you point out, Cocopelli is uh, one of the most common glyphs throughout uh, certainly the Great Basin. And it is it been a, a adopted by the, the, the Native Americans as, a, I, I guess you would say, a fertility glyph, uh, as a fertility deity that, that is represented by what people think is a flute. He's often represented as a hunchback man or a hunchback grasshopper with a, a sack on his back. And the Native American myths talk about uh, Cocopelli uh, coming to the tribe and spreading seeds, playing music, and uh, getting the, the women pregnant Where do you before come moving from? on. Well, you know, this is, uh, we, we today can't say for sure uh, where, where Cocopelli comes from. But like Quetzalcoatl and other deified beings, so to speak, um, they came from supposedly elsewhere and seeded them, no pun intended, with knowledge, seeds, and so forth, right? Well, Dennis Matlock, in his book, uh, Indian Once Ruled America, he notes the similarity of Cocopelli with a uh, fertility god of, of India, Kubora. And they're very similar aspects, and he makes the connection uh, between the the Indian uh, Indus Valley God and coming to America. Uh, my colleague uh, 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 Dorian today makes the point that the what is considered to be a flute by just about everyone that Cocopelli is playing a flute is in fact a blowpipe used to uh, uh, heat up uh, fires for metallurgy. Oh. And so he talks about Cocopelli as being kind of the the, the god of the, the miners. Um, what we what we can say is that consistent with the notion of hermetic drift, that where we have a symbol, a petroglyph, mm -hmm. or a story show up, as it's repeated from generation to generation, the symbol may remain the same. However, uh, the understanding of what what it originally was is not. And uh, uh, I believe that, that the Cocopelli imagery is really the, the story of the sun god as, 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 he, as he makes his journey you know, around the world. So uh, we all have a different take on Cocopelli. Many diffusionists could, could argue that it comes from uh, uh, India, but it, it's not really something we can document as clearly as we can, for example, a symbol like the swastika right. or the many symbols uh, uh, from Mesoamerica and the Mayans that, that seem to have an origin in Asia and China. Yes, absolutely, and uh, I'm going to get to that toward the, the end of this hour, as a matter of fact. But first, let's go to the Midwest, and we want to go to Monk's Mound. 
catastrophe. This is quite anomalous. Yes, and this is... I mean, this is massive. It'd be bigger, more material than it took to um, build the Great Pyramid. And yet, almost no one's heard of it. Well, it's, uh, again, it's something that's a mystery about our history. I think we can talk about how America has become a a historical society it's like we're so in the present we're so into uh making making money and advancing that we 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 kind of have lost sight of our our tourist site and 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 it 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 really is uh, relatively speaking to to some of the history but i don't think we want to suggest that uh you know an old world culture built that no i'm just Uh, saying what is this this is a a a monument uh, that that uh is is the scope of the size of some of the the largest uh uh pyramids from mesoamerica and and from egypt It, it 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 reinforces the notion of the organization of a highly advanced civilization that was able to uh, uh, put together not only the, the labor force, uh, but have the, the, the building skills to, to uh, uh, construct something so significant that still is here today. We do think that the the top of uh, of the, the mound had an uh, archaeo uh, astronomical alignment associated with it. There's still posts there, but these these all go back to uh, this the the mysteries of our history. This was probably one of the the, the center of a, of a of a civilization, and uh, it still stands today. What are some of the explore. artifacts surrounding? That area. Oh, these to are give the, us some hint. These are the the, the, the the mound people, and for many many generations, and for many many different uh, 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 thousands of years, we, we have different generations of, of, of mound builders that, that built mounds and and uh, uh, had a significant culture, probably based on agriculture, uh, that that spread out from uh, you know the Mississippi through the through the different tributaries. So. Uh, this is just part of the remaining landscape of, uh, of, the, of our ancestors in America, uh, noting that, that when, when this was built, there was nothing like it in Europe. It was, it was uh, uh, relatively primitive in Europe compared to what was going on in, in the New World. And there, uh, back in that part of the United States in the Midwest, there are a lot of different kinds of mountains as well. Yes, there throughout. are. And yes. also we're looking at, there's some belief that the ancient Hebrews built some of the mounds in Ohio. Is that well, there's, correct? There's, uh, they discovered a Ten Commandments stone, right? There there are uh, indications of, of Hebrew presence in, in, in the Midwest, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think anyone would you know, ascribe the Hebrews to building these mounds. Okay. I would say that, that, that these were really the, the native people who built most of these mounds. But the, the, the question is, you know, who built the original ones? And what influence, if any, do we right. have from old world cultures? Now, when... Uh, uh, these are built throughout Russia and many other places. Yes, it's not just, just here. No. So when, so, so when Cyrus Thomas, uh, who was uh, uh, one of the first researchers for the Smithsonian and undertook a exhaustive study of the mounds, uh, uh, under the under the management of John Wesley Powell, who was who was really ahead of the the first uh, director of the Smithsonian at that time, both uh, Powell and uh, uh, Thomas 
uh, strongly believed that all the mountains were built by Native Americans. And they, they both went on to say in their own words that, that even though uh, artifacts of uh, European origin were found in the mounds, that they were not going to talk about them or address them. So we, we really find the beginning of a cover-up uh, as early as the birth of the Smithsonian. And uh, That's where I wanted to go next is John Wesley Powell. We started out with Columbus, but John Wesley Powell has, has his part in obscuring the story as well. He, he certainly does. And it, it, up to the point of, of uh, Thomas and John Wesley Powell, because of the interest in history, uh, by by Americans, by the farmers, by the historical societies, by the colonists, there was a strong belief that uh, old world peoples had populated uh, the Americas, and this was right up in, uh, to the time of Thomas Jefferson, uh, who uh, instructed uh, Lewis and Clark to look for the remnants of Prince Maddock, the Welsh prince who uh, uh, was supposed to have come to America in the in in the eleven hundreds, and subsequently th there has been found evidence uh, of uh, what, what could be some of his fortifications. But Thomas Jefferson, as, as well as other colonists, uh, strongly believed that, that uh, the, the, the history of America included uh, people coming from, from Europe. But with the, the proclamation by uh, Cyrus Thomas that of these uh, European uh, artifacts found in the mounds, we will not talk of them. Uh, ever since then, the, the archaeological paradigm has been that the all the mounds were built by Native Americans. End of story. I, I think that there are influences of the old world peoples that that out Giants. of these mounds have come uh, relics uh, that, that that demonstrate mm -hmm. a, a, a connection, a, uh, a, whether it be trade or whether it be actually the origins of these. And this is part of that story. Maybe we need and a FOIA request. Uh, some, we need a FOIA request, some FOIA requests to the Smithsonian. Uh, artifacts that, that are attributed to the, the Hebrews, and including a a, uh, a Decalogue stone uh, that that has the Ten Commandments on it uh, as an as, as an artifact, and, and has a picture of of what is claimed to be Moses. But again, it's very hard to uh, uh, verify these as being legitimate at this at this time. And in, until we get more research involved and interested in, and excited and willing to explore, uh, it's, it's going to be very Symposium. much of a mystery of uh, how much influence old world cultures had on the mound builders. Well, we're not done yet, okay? Just a couple more here. Um, speaking of the Hebrews, I mean, there was uh, evidence in the Bible you wrote that as of almost a thousand years BC, that they had the ability to also navigate the waters of the world. They had they had ships. Well, so, and there, there is this on evidence the ancient sprinkled throughout the United States, and one of them that you write about in the book is a Roman Jewish society near Tucson, Arizona. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, I'll talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah. let's go back a little bit, sure. and, and that, that you know, the the, the uh, although scant, there there is evidence that the uh, that the Hebrews were in America, and it's quite likely that that uh, they were here at different periods of time. We know this from some Hebrew coins that were found, and we know it from some alleged artifacts from the from the mound building era. But what I discovered the most significant evidence of, of, of the Hebrews is a, a location in um, 
uh, New Mexico, south of Albuquerque, known as, as, as Hidden Mountain. And at Hidden Mountain, on a very, very large stone, we have the Ten Commandments written out in a proto-Hebrew uh, script. That is, before the block uh, Hebrew language was, was uh, uh, developed. And it is a um, recitation of the, of the Ten Commandments. And we also have other um, Hebrew writing on this site. And while, like every uh, artifact that, that seems to have a, uh, a beginning with old world peoples, this is fiercely debated by the archaeological priesthood and the archaeological community mm -hmm. who claim that this, uh, mm -hmm. that the, the, the hidden mountain uh, decalogue stone was a, a hoax created in the last couple hundred years. But mm -hmm. there's, there's the compelling evidence to suggest that this is a legitimate uh, uh, Hebrew site, a legitimate uh, Hebrew artifact mm -hmm. that, that uh, based on some star charts uh, on the site that, that, that could be uh, uh, aligned with, with a specific date. Uh, this, this goes back uh, at, at least 1,500 years. Okay. And now, they say the one in Tucson, maybe 1,000 years. No. The, no? The, no uh, what, what we find is uh, uh, south of, of, of Hidden Mountain in, in southern uh, Arizona near Tucson mm -hmm. uh, around uh, the, mm -hmm. the uh, beginning of the, of the 20th century, uh, a 30, 32 artifacts were dug out of the, out of the desert sand. Mm -hmm. And these uh, were in, in, uh, uh, religious artifacts, but uh, most notably they were large uh, lead crosses that uh, were inscribed in Latin as well as imageries from from the Bible. And the, the Latin, although not that well constructed, uh, was easily read. Uh, and the story that emerges from these, these crosses is uh, the voyage of a group of Hebrews around um, uh, uh, 765 AD, uh, uh, coming from uh, Europe, they were Roman citizens, and they don't describe how they got here or why they came, but pre presuming they were escaping persecution or perhaps looking to colonize uh, uh, a, a, a community in an area. Quite likely, they, they sailed to the Americas via the Gulf of Mexico mm -hmm. and up the Rio Grande. And uh, according to the the writing, the Latin writing, uh, the, the, the history of the colony of Calais, uh began in around 765. They record the, the different kings that ruled it, including Israel I, Israel II, mm -hmm. and um, the, the, uh, uh, the writing has Hebrew writing in it. The Hebrew symbols, but what's so uh, phenomenal about the, the writing them, itself is that it's a blend of early Christianity with Hebrew influences. So, yes. uh, and in, in, in addition to the to the uh, large uh, stone, uh, large uh, crosses that that uh, are inscribed in Latin, we have religious. Uh, 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 implements that were used in ceremonies and they're quite quite phenomenally done uh, the the colony seems to have ceased to, to to exist around 900 AD and the the uh, 
the story that is written in, in on these crosses tells of the war between the, the natives and between the colonists that go back and forth. Uh, and finally, at the end, the, the, the natives get the upper hand and the, the, uh, the, the, the individual who's writing the, the, the story down is, 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 is talking about the, the end of the, the Kalelis, um society, the end of the community, and yes. kind of bemoaning that he hasn't recorded it well enough because it was so well, much thank God he on. left when he did. He did. Now, these artifacts uh, do exist. They, they, they are stored in, in a museum. They are not on display. I was able to view them. And uh, like every, every artifact, they're very controversial. Um, most archaeologists that are familiar with them, and, and certainly the archaeological priesthood, thinks they were fakes uh, done by locals. Um, mm. uh, most diffusionists have, who have looked at them uh, uh, believe that they were they were legitimate and they were actually a Roman Jewish colony. Uh, I had an opportunity to examine the artifacts. I'm not a expert in, in, in the metallurgy or, or anything, but I would say that they, they certainly uh, seem to, to be consistent with something of that era. And again, it really points to the need of involving uh, professional epigraphers, uh, yes. professional archaeologists, anthropologists to, to uh, settle the, the, the debate. Uh, of uh, its legitimacy. Uh, I, I write in the book that, that, that this is uh, a legitimate uh, series of artifacts that demonstrated that the Romans were here uh, in, in, in the New World right up to 900 AD. Yes. Okay, now we're about out of time. We never even got to the Asian artistic motifs in Mesoamerica, but um, for anybody that wants to take a look at that, um, I did do an interview with Raymond Tarpey on some of that, so you can look at at least the linguistic connections that support that as well. So there's a, another person that's sticking around as you are. And, and, uh, and just I just want to note that Gunnar Thompson uh, has written extensively uh, about these symbols that, okay. that he says comes uh, right around between 200 B.C. Uh, uh, up to about 200 A.D., uh, a, 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 a Many different symbols coming from Asia found their way into uh, the uh, Central America and to the Mayan culture, uh, specifically like the vision serpent is, is a great okay. example of one. So uh, many it's have documented there. this, yes. as has, uh, I write about Gunapati Stapati, a, a, a Tamal temple builder mm -hmm. who uh, uh, believes that the, uh, the Mayan civilization was actually founded by Maya, M-A-A-Y-A, who was a historical uh, figure from from India. Yes. Okay. Now, are you working on another book, or is it, I mean, this has taken you a long time to create, and it's quite a body. I think uh, there are a lot of our people watching this are going to be purchasing this book, and and if mm -hmm. not going on field trips, at least in the mind, you've opened up a lot of new doorways for us. Well, thank you. Uh, uh, my, my passion these days is renewable energy, so I continue to work in that professionally. One of the great things about writing the book and, and uh, giving little talks and having interviews like this is being contacted by people with uh, their stories, yes. and their artifacts, and their references. And, uh, you know, we got to make the point that no one person can write a new history of America. And as, and, and as much work as I put into it, uh, I, most, of the, most of the references in the book come from 
from previous researchers. So I, you know, stand on the shoulders of, of those who came before me. My hope in writing the book was was really to uh, break through the paradigm that, yes. that all the fusionists have really tried mm -hmm. to do, beginning with the, uh, debunking the myth of Columbus and really pointing to a, a new history of America uh, as, as an important uh, aspect of, of, of the evolving American culture. Thank you for your dedication and your persistence. Excellent so show. Fun. Thank you. Well, as you can imagine, we barely scratched the surface of Carl's profound work and again, yeah, standing another, on the shoulders interview, of Regina. others as well. To dig deeper into America's true history, you can pick up a copy of his book, Secrets of Ancient America, at major booksellers. Along this line of thinking, you might also enjoy my interview with Richard Dewhurst on the subject of ancient giants in America. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Guy MTV. Splendid, splendid, yes. Excellent show. And yes, you can follow me across social media, Christopher Governator. And as I mentioned, I would be interested in starting a uh, task force on ancient Arizona as governor and ancient America, Americas as your pres. Okay, so consider running for office yourselves. Wear a mask and uh, stay safe. And call your Congress and demand some answers about the Smithsonian and uh, their cover up of giant skeletons and the Egyptian artifacts that were found in the Grand Canyon. You know? Demand, demand that we know the truth. Demand that our government tells us the truth about everything. Okay? Stay safe out there. Be good. Wear a mask.